join me in a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning and welcome to Christ the King. My name is Peter Schwanda and I serve as a deacon here at CTK. And my wife Mimi and I have a toddler, Molly, and are expecting a baby boy in October. And what this means is, sorry for you all, but many of my sermon illustrations will come from parenting fodder. Now, five months without childcare has certainly brought challenges, but it's also brought blessings of family time, plenty of sermon illustrations, and some toddler humor. Recently, our daughter Molly has decided it's funny to trick her mommy and daddy. She'll state something that is true, such as, baby brother is in mommy's tummy. And then she'll go on to state something that is obviously untrue. She has a little dog, stuffed dog Riley, and she'll say, Riley is in daddy's tummy. She'll laugh to herself, pausing for comedic toddler effect, and then declare, Molly tricked mommy and daddy. She cracks herself up, and sometimes she'll even follow by again stating something that is true, such as, food is in daddy's tummy. If only the deceptions and tricks of our world were so obvious. We're surrounded by things that can deceive us, cause us to buy in to something that's false, to mislead us or hide the truth. I wish it was like with my smartphone that identifies an incoming call as potential spam. Wouldn't that be great if all the world's deceptions announced themselves? But we live in a world where that's not the case. Good marketing, news stories, promises and claims of the latest workout or health fad, all can mislead us. Even the best plans and intentions of individuals and institutions. And when it comes to our faith, we can even be deceived. We can be deceived into thinking that our salvation depends on us instead of Jesus. We can be deceived into thinking that our faith is just about church attendance and right belief, or in thinking that our faith is about hearing a good sermon on Sunday more than living it out during the week. Thankfully, our reading this morning from James chapter 1 gives us some encouragement. See, the early church, like us, faced deceptions, and James, who is the leader of the Jerusalem church, addressed this very practical letter to Christians everywhere. The introduction of James 1 says it's written to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, meaning to all Christians everywhere. And in our reading today, James warns against deception three times. Look down at verse 16, verse 22, and verse 26. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. So the question for James, for his audience, and for us, is what do we as Christians do to avoid deception? James offers us three simple principles. First, seek God's truth. Second, listen well. And third, live it out. First, seek God's truth. James begins by reminding us of who God is. In verse 17, he reminds us that God is good. He's the source of all good things, of every good, perfect, and complete gift. 
He's compared to light. We're reminded of the Gospel of John where it tells us that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is perfect and right and true. And furthermore, in verse 17, we see that God is trustworthy because he doesn't change. He doesn't vary. He's not like shifting shadows. He's not like the changing plans of of humans or institutions or school districts or anything else. I grew up ski racing and I'm fairly comfortable on any ski slope, but I can tell you that the time of day that I dread skiing is late afternoon. The light flattens and the shadows settle in and most of your injuries and accidents on a ski mountain happen in that fateful last hour of the day. You speed downhill and it's hard to tell how the shadows have shifted. It deceives your eyes. You can't tell where the ground rises up. And I learned in my early racing days that if you had special goggles with clear lenses instead of the normal colored lenses, it helped you to see. God's word is for us like those special lenses. They help us to see beyond the shadows. As Numbers 23 reminds us, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? God is good, God is trustworthy, and in verse 18, we're reminded that God's word is true and it brings life. God spoke life into existence in Genesis. God's incarnate word, which became flesh in Jesus, bled and died for us that we might have life. And God's word of truth breathes life into us now. Now, I presume that like me, you've probably felt like you're in a bit of a bubble these last months. And aside from many other challenges, when we are in a bubble in our own little world with our own thoughts, it can distort or warp our reality. We can be deceived by our own thoughts. We can be deceived by our limited reality, by the limited world we're experiencing. It can almost feel dizzying at times. With the blinders on, we feel dizzy. And if you are dizzy or you get seasick or carsick, one of the best remedies is to fix your eyes on something that doesn't move or doesn't change, to fix your eyes on the horizon. See, dizziness is related to the motion that's around us in our immediate surroundings. And the first antidote to deception that James offers us is to fix our eyes on the fixed truth of God's horizon. So seek God's truth daily. Do whatever you need to do to put God's word in front of you so that his word, his goodness, his trustworthiness, and his life-giving nature would steady us in uncertain circumstances. The second antidote to deception is to listen well. I'm sure that anyone with kids uh, feels like a broken record when they ask, are you listening? Did you hear me? Imagine how God feels about us. Like children, we often insist that we're listening, but James in verse 19 implores us to really listen. Being a recent seminary graduate, I now feel uh, compelled to tell you that I don't think hear 
is the best translation of the Greek word in verse 19, let every person be quick to hear. The word in Greek, akuo, means to hear, but also to heed and to obey. In other words, it's not just to perceive sound, it's the intentional act of listening. Experts will tell you that there's different types of listening. Active listening with your full attention, empathic listening, critical listening, using your, your judgments and, and perhaps your biases. There's also inactive listening, or what most parents might refer to as selective hearing, hearing what you want to hear. But Jesus often called people who had ears to hear. He would say after a teaching, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's reminding us that there is a true type of listening. In other words, listen up, pay attention. And this is what James commends us to in verse 19 and 20. It has to do with listening to God's word and to listening to our fellow man. Now, listening to God's word is easier when you have it in front of you. And I encourage you to think about the ways that you might put God's word in front of you this week. Perhaps it's as simple as uh, a, a trait that Billy Graham is known for, of just leaving a Bible open in his home. Maybe it's using an app on your phone. Maybe it's committing a verse of scripture to memory. As important as listening to God is, I think that listening to our fellow man is often harder. See, being quick to hear is just the first part. The second is being slow to speak. Or to quote the advice given by Aaron Burr to Alexander Hamilton in the musical, talk less, smile more. That's hard. Good listening means not talking, not reacting defensively. It means choosing your words, processing what it is you hear, and praying continually. The same Billy Graham who is known for leaving a Bible open that he might see God's word in his normal day once answered an interviewer's question who asked him a certain question, and Billy Graham responded, uh, the, the question was about prayer. He said, well, when do you pray? And Billy Graham responded, well, I'm praying right now that God would give me the words to answer your question. What if that were our response? And any time we were asked something or we were listening, that we were prayerfully listening. So be quick to hear, be slow to speak, and perhaps the hardest of all, we must be slow to anger. Listening should have a response but we shouldn't respond quickly with anger. Perhaps you are tempted like I am to snap back quickly, to send that sharp email. I'll confess that my favorite feature of Gmail is the undo send feature, where you can set your email to unsend 30 seconds after you have sent it. If you don't know about that feature, I'd be happy to show you how to use it. But how, more practically, do we calm our anger? If you look at our passage in verse 21, we see that James points us to humility. As we seek to rid ourselves of sin, we're to receive with meekness God's true word. 
So when you're tempted to anger, turn to his word and listen to it. Really listen. Because when we settle ourselves in God's word, it can calm our anger. It can refine our emotions so that they're aligned with God's will. And in our current cultural moment with many anxieties and divisions, seeking the horizon of God's word, the truth of his word, and the reconciling peace that he offers will do much to quell our anger. Thirdly, the third antidote that James offers against deception is that we live it out. Well, live what out? The truth that we've heard in God's word. Verse 22 gives a great summary of this section of James. We are to be hearers and doers. This is hard. Think about all of the trite sayings that we have in our world. Talk is cheap. Talk the talk. Walk the walk. Practice what you preach. The reason we have these trite sayings in our vocabulary is because it's actually important. And we realize that it's hard. But God calls us to it. And James focuses on this theme. The whole letter of James finds us trying to connect faith and deeds. Our words with our works. Living out our faith instead of just hearing it. And this is a matter of integrity. If our lives don't match our words, then we're being disingenuous. We're not being who God created us to be. I love his little illustration here about one who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like as he walks out the door. Instead of this, God desires that we would look in the mirror, knowing who we are, but that we would also look in the mirror of his word and be reminded not just of who we are, but of what it is we're called to do. Now, this isn't just some self-help guide of steps, you know, look in the mirror, affirm yourself, and pump yourself up for the day. But this is actually the authentic living that God desires, where we are aligned with his desires and that we, like a mirror, reflect his power at work in our life. So what is it that an authentic Christian does? What does James tell us to do? Look at verse 40, uh, 27 with me, and we'll see that he tells us two things specifically. Though he's really just quoting scripture himself. Uh, our, our reading from Psalm 146, 146, verses 7 through 10, points us to those things which God values. Doing right to those who suffer, feeding the hungry, setting prisoners free, giving sight to the blind, helping those who have fallen, loving the righteous, caring for strangers in the land, defending the fatherless and widow. So when James tells us what to do, he's quoting the theology of the Old Testament. He's saying that Christians are to care for the marginalized. Now in his day, that meant orphans and widows. But in our day, I invite you to consider who is marginalized, who is afflicted, who is in need of God's care? It is those that we're both to visit and to care for. Secondly, Christians are to seek personal holiness. James' concluding word in this section 
reminds us that we should be proactive in refraining from sin. God's word is our first guard against temptation, but we would be wise to take proactive steps, drastic steps to eliminate things in our lives which tempt us to sin or to compromise. So as we draw to a close, what can we do to avoid deception, to avoid trusting in the false promises of the world around us? Psalm 146 says, put not your trust in princes nor in any child of man, for there is no help in them. So consider, what, what deceptions do you face? What temptations of the evil one? Are you tempted towards worry and anxiety by the, the news and the media around you? Do you listen to other voices more than to God's? Are you tempted to make quick judgments while you hear what someone else says instead of truly listening? Are you tempted to have your faith be mostly about you and less about caring for others? I think if we're honest, we probably struggle with each of those, perhaps every day. And these are the deceptions around us that cause division, distraction, and distortion. And James's wisdom gives us some biblical foundations to how to avoid this deception. He says, seek God's truth and listen because it will bring unity to Christ's church. Seek God's truth because it will keep us focused on his will in the midst of distractions. And seek God's truth because it will ward off distortions to our faith. Further, listen well to others. This brings unity and peace even in the midst of, dis of division. And it likely means listening to others with different perspectives and experiences than your own. And finally, live out your faith as hearers and doers, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Our faith is not to go in one ear and out the other. It's to go in one ear and out through our lives in love. Good listening leads to loving action. Let us pray. Lord, may we listen well to you and to others. May we seek you and find your truth in your word and in the words of others. And may we not be just hearers, but doers. Send us out into the world to do the work you have given us to do. Amen.